Well, 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 we're back at it again after a little break. The Rambling Viking Podcast is alive. Good to be back. Been too long, but as you know, life gets crazy and sometimes uh, don't have a chance to record. And it kind of sucks to the timing of it because I think since my last episode, the Chiefs were Super Bowl champions for the first time in over 50 years. Um, so might as well be their first one ever because that's an entire generation gone. And let's see what else has happened. Um, Kobe Bryant tragically, um, died in the accident and, you know, still waiting to, and we'll be waiting for a while to get any sort of official reports on, you know, the cause and what they think actually happened, but just had the big, uh, public memorial, at Staples Center, I only caught a few glimpses and highlights. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I'm actually kind of planning on doing that at some point. And uh, man, we're we're right we're we're on the precipice of March Madness. Wonderful time of year. College basketball's in full swing. The NBA. We had the All Star break coming out of the All Star break. Um, things are getting shaken up across the league. It's um, you know we're, we're starting to get into oh playoff mode. Last month of the se- month and a half of the season. So like games are starting to count. People are um, gunning for position to get that the highest seed. Like things are heating up. Um, the XFL. Is you know we're a few weeks deep in that. I'm actually, that's actually wildly interesting to me. Um, we have the primaries heating up, narrowing down the field on who's going to run against Trump. And boy, oh boy, is it just like I don't know. I just look at the field. I'm like, is this really like this is really the strategy that we're going with? But I, I think I think I. I think Bernie's on a revenge path like the Spurs were back in, I think it was 2014 um, slash 15 um, when they were on that revenge path against the Heat for what happened to them uh, via Ray Allen at the end of their their series in 2013 and, um, you know, where they, they lost out. Well, I think, I think, I think Bernie's on that revenge where he, you know, was cheated out of the nomination last election and he's coming back with a vengeance and he's got a good base and you got Bloomberg trying to buy an election which is uh oh crap uh man Charlie Kirk used a really good word for it but there's there's a term for being able to buy an election and it's it's all in all it's not a good thing by being able to purchase an election is like oh this is fake um to me and then you have I mean the candidates are just so interesting. You have uh, a seemingly fading, uh, mentally fading Joe Biden. You have uh, a young, you know, reasonable sounding Buttigieg, but who really, he was just a mayor of a small town, which is so interesting to me that he's gotten the pull and been able to make campaign as he had. You have the Lying, conniving Elizabeth Warren. I say that because she clung to and claimed her Native American heritage, and turns out she is like one ten thousandth Native American. And I think almost everybody in the U.S. today, uh, if you if you're not first generation or second generation immigrants, are probably have some Native. I have some Native American in me. I'm like I don't know. 
123rd, something like silly, right? Like it comes from my mom's grandpa and just so completely random. It's like, okay, yeah, she's, she's as much Native American as basically everybody else. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's that. We got that Super Tuesday was around the corner where, you know, things are essentially going to be decided. Next week, uh, we're coming up on, you know, spring, lots of things happening. It's it's very, very exciting time, and I was trying to decide, you know, it's been so long. It's like, man, I wish, you know, I could have been recording through all this, but with being, with everything being so busy, I mean, m- my life has gotten busy and crazy, and I really haven't had an opportunity to really sit down, because you know me, I don't like to, well, I don't like to speed through things, but sometimes you have to, and I, I really... One thing I really found was like, I just have to stick to being my authentic self here. And I don't want to try and force anything. But so we're just going to sit down and have a nice chat and however long it goes, however long it goes. And we'll, um, we'll figure, we'll figure things out from there. We'll, we'll just go. It's a, today is a no holds bar. It's anything and everything. And it's gonna be gonna be a fun one. So we're gonna talk sports. We're gonna talk politics. We might just talk talk general philosophy. We might talk, um, you know, motivation and 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 emotional and mental health and how we develop that relationships. I don't know anything and everything. I'm just gonna let it flow. And it may not be the most smooth thing to follow, but I'm gonna do my best. So I'm not gonna waste my time just kind of grazing over um, any one topic. Let's let's kick it off with how the NFL season ended. First and foremost, as an Eagles fan, this is kind of a small aside, I was super stoked to find that this season's, this this year's uh, All or Nothing, which if you haven't seen that on Amazon Prime Video, is awesome. It's basically like their version of Hard Knocks, but it follows the entire season instead of just like their, their preseason. It's, it's amazing. Um, and this year followed the Eagles, which... Looking back, I'm like, man, if only, if only you could have like, it could have been the 2017 Eagles, really see inside of that. But honestly, I think this year was a more interesting year than 2017 in some ways, just based on the standpoint of how up and down it was. I mean, I gave up, I gave, well, I gave up on the season, if you will, meaning like, oh, it's going to be trash year, <laughs> like four times this year. And I think, I think there was... And it was just interesting because, you know, there's so many injuries, there were so many bad weeks, but then we pieced it together and made a playoff run, and I was like, you know, I was ultimately happy with the fight that we had, we had, but they were on all or nothing, but this season came to a close with the Kansas City Chiefs sticking it to the San Francisco 49ers, who, uh, my prediction, I believe, you know, well, I know, I was pulling for the Chiefs, but for me, it was like I knew Mahomes had to pull out his magic, and those receivers had to do their, their magic with their their speed and their high-powered offense and uh, and you know San Francisco just basically had to do their thing and the Chiefs came away with it I'm super super happy for them that's a uh, really really exciting really cool stuff and all in all I think it was a great game and uh, you know if we want to if I want to mention the halftime show there's been lots of back and forth on that you've had you go, you know, oh, this is one of the best half times of all time. And then on the other side of you had, this was hardcore porn. And it's like, once again, I find myself find it falling in the middle of that. Yeah, the halftime show 
was impressive in a lot of ways, but also I was disappointed in the sensuality and sexualization um, in, in, in other aspects, you know? And to me, it's just like, I, I don't know, like as a, for me as a, I'm a married man and I have my wife and I love my wife. I don't really want to watch stuff like that. Not necessarily because I feel like I'm cheating, but like I have no interest. Like my wife, all my, all my sexual interest towards women is at my, you know, it's for my wife and I want to keep it that way. And, uh, the, I don't want to let my, allow myself to fall in the trap of being like, oh yeah, it was amazing. Because when you, when you look at a lot of aspects of it, like what it was, it was very sensual and it was playing on the sensual aspect of, of, of things, you know, of humanity. And that's why I just, and so from that aspect, it's like, I wasn't really a big fan. I watched it with some cousins and uh, their kids and their kids are, you know, three or five and seven or four and six, I think they're four and six. And so it's just like, Looking at the kids, I'm like, I don't want them to see this. And like, I don't know, for me, what I, I could have been just as happy muting it or changing the channel or just like doing something else for the 15 minutes uh, or that 10 minutes, whatever the halftime show was, and then not even seeing it. Like after, after seeing what it evolved into. But, you know, there's plenty of aspects about it that were that were cool. You know, they brought in the, it was in Miami, so they... They brought in Shakira and J-Lo, who, you know, the Latin American heritage, and or not Latin, the Hispanic heritage, because Shakira's from Colombia, it's not technically Latin America. And so, you know, they tried to, they tried to kind of show some love to that, because that's a large demographic in Miami, and that's the area, so they tried to tailor it to that audience, and I think in a lot of ways they did a good job, but... Overall, for me, I don't know. I just, I just didn't care for it. I was like, it, it cross, like it, it's fine if there's some, you know, there's body roll and there's whatever. But at some, at some point, I'm, and here I am talking more about the halftime than I am the actual freaking game, <laughs> because honestly, I think I remember more about the halftime just because of I was sitting there like, I uh, trying to figure out exactly how I feel in the game. The game was a super interesting back and forth, you know, with the Chiefs having a slow start, but they're sticking to the running game. But anyways, you know, I'm just, it, I just was neither here nor there on that halftime. I wasn't sold on it. And, but at the same time, like it had some cool parts to it. I think my favorite part was the, 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 what became the meme was Shakir going, and it's like, who did it better? The goat or, and it's the goat with its tongue flopping everywhere. It's Shakir. That, now that is gold. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, that's the big takeaway from the halftime. I'm stoked. Absolutely stoked. But there, you know, there's apparently been a lot of complaints to the FCC and people saying like, this is pornographic. They're zooming in on their butts and crotches and you know, whatever. And <laughs> there was the, the pad joke about JLo about like, oh, you can see your pad and, or whatever. And I don't know, like to me, I just look at it and I think, I think people are overreacting. Obviously, I think they have a point to an extent like, hey, this wasn't exactly family friendly. Like if I have children watching this, but the problem is they didn't say that they said this was hardcore porn. And it's like, see, and that's where you lose me. It's like, ah, you lose validity in your, in your statement, in your complaint. Once you, once you go that route. And so, you know, I'm curious to know where do you, where do you fall on it? Like, I know I'm kind of giving a non-answer. I don't really mean to. I will say 
I could have done without it. That's where I fall. So I fall more in the camp of like, eh, I didn't really appreciate the level of sensuality. Kind of like what I'm talking about with these complaints. I don't appreciate the the how charged the language is, how far they take their complaint. If, if, it, if it would have just said at like, because, you know, because I know that the style of dancing a lot of times in Hispanic community is, you know, it's a salsa. Salsa is what you think of usually and, and tango and things like that. And so it's a lot of hip. It's, it has, it has a sensual aspect to it. You know, it's a partner dancing. You're very close. It's very, uh, you know, it's that, it's that smoky look. It's a, Ooh, you know, whatever, you know, the back and forth. It's, you know, it takes two to tango is a classic figure of speech. And so I, I do understand that. And, but for me, I don't know. There was just overt, sensual overtones that that didn't fall into that category so that's where i stand on it uh let me know where you stand on you know that halftime even though it's been like we're coming up on uh almost a month (laughs) so it's kind of old news at this point but um or any thoughts on the game as well i thought i thought it was a great game really really good game I still think the the 2017 game was better, not just because I'm an Eagles fan, but that that is truly one of the greatest games in recent history. I mean, I think you're going back to like the 18 one type, uh, 18 and one season with with the Patriots where the, the Giants upset them in the Super Bowl, like those sort of games. You you have to go back then, like it, it's on. It's one. It was one of the greatest, but. That football season is now over. Now we're talking draft and what's next and what's coming down the pipe. But then, without missing a beat, XFL started. Oh, man. Love me some XFL. And it's it's so, so interesting. I think they the subtle differences that they did with this are actually really, really good. So, first and foremost, what they did with the kickoff, where you have the... You have, except the kicker and the returner, you have everyone else lined up. I think it's 10 yards apart or five yards apart in the center of the field, and they can't move until the returner catches the ball. And so it it takes away from the, I have a 20-yard sprint to blow you up, and it makes it more like a regular play, where it's like, all right, we're lined up, and it's like, all right, I'm going to go block this. What I, what I have yet to see, and I haven't watched a ton, but I'm curious to know if there's any sort of blocking schemes you can run, you know? Like, do you... Like, do you say, hey, like, we're going to cross block or whatever, like, to kind of throw them off, or, like, we're going to double here. It, the hard thing about it is, is it's so evenly spread that I don't, I think it's really, really hard to possibly scheme anything because you, without letting a one guy just go free, and so that's what makes it kind of tricky then, is because it is, is I think, I think it really, it took away from the chances of seeing a kick return for a touchdown just because I think it's made it more it's made it more difficult to try and you're gonna get that just right gap and those just right blocks and so I don't know. I, I something something about it I, I sit there and I look at it and I say, man, I feel like there's some way to scheme this. Scene okay, here's how you scheme for it yet. So I don't know. I, I do think I do think all in all it's probably better for the game because nine times out of ten what you see is a touchback in uh, the NFL and college in a regular football kickoff. So I think that's interesting. The double forward pass is an interesting little hitch on exactly. I don't know the exact rule on it. I just saw it on um, whatever team, the DC Defenders, I think, is the team that Cardell Jones plays for on whatever he did. And it, it's really they did a jet sweep and he tossed it. So he tossed it forward technically on the jet sweep and that. And then the guy stopped, 
turned and tossed it back to him, and then it was a so it's technically a double forward pass. But I think there's certain stipulations. That's a little interesting rule change, um, which doesn't have a huge effect, but it it has a very subtle subtle one that I think is uh, pretty interesting. Um, another thing is the the mic'd up aspect. So. Unlike you, usually hear a little bit of chatter. Like you hear, like the what, what, like, and you hear some calls at the line of scrimmage from the quarterback. But that's all you generally hear. We've got the coaches. We've got we've got direct line access into the headset of the coach and the quarterback. Um, all the coaches they they'll do a freaking headset interview in the middle of the game with the coach and. That one as a coach would piss me off because like I'm sitting here trying to coach, trying to manage this, and I gotta take 30 seconds to talk to the announcers, these yahoos. But uh, then <laughs> I re- I do it, I do really like how you hear the actual play call and the sets, and and you get to see kind of how it pans out, and the, the announcers give you some insight. That's very interesting. But even even get mic'd up to the refs, even the refs get mic'd up, and that one's interesting. So I. I like the XFL. I actually appreciate it. You know, you have Landry Jones, who they were saying is the face of it, who has, uh, in my opinion, not performed well. But then Bob Stoops is coaching. Like, it's you have a lot of these guys who either didn't quite make it in the NFL, or they didn't quite get there, or they got there and they fell out. And so I, I see it as another growth opportunity for, like, after college to try and prove what you can do and and maybe get another NFL shot. I, I think it's pretty cool. I'm enjoying the XFL. I think it's overall a good thing. I, is it sustainable long term? I don't know, but it is. I will say this: it is pretty exciting. It's fun to watch. It's a little bit different. It's in the off season, you know, and it's 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 pretty cool. And the thing, the subtle differences, are different enough that it doesn't like that that it intrigues you, but it's not too different that it, you know it's like oh, okay, this is stupid now. Like this isn't football anymore. And so I've been enjoying it. Um, love to know your thoughts on it, on as far as what you think of the XFL and and how things are panning out that way. I haven't even begun to look at like what their playoff situation, how long the actual season is. Uh, I could do that, and I'm a little curious as to that. But move forward into uh, we had the All Star break with the NBA. We had Kobe's tragic passing, which is awful, and it's still surreal. Because someone made a really great point to me. They said, okay, you know, it's really interesting that um, I think why this was so shocking is because when you look at, by and large, with basketball players, especially big-name basketball players, we still have guys who played in, like, the 60s, alive and accessible. And so you haven't seen a lot of tragedies like this where guys you know pass early and what you what you what we have seen is we have seen like most of these guys have lived long happy lives like or a lot of the biggest names I won't say most of these guys because I think most of them died but like you still have some big names playing from around and accessible and involved from long ago and you don't see a lot of that and so I think that's why this one struck extra extra hard especially who it was too I'll tell you I was really disappointed and I mean this is kind of inevitable but it's always disappointing when it's like oh 
when when something like this happens and it's like this is just an absolute tragedy and people some people just can't let it breathe some people for whatever reason have transformed into these devil trolls that only want to drag out the worst no matter the situation and and what i'm getting at is all these people that are like Man, so much praise for a rapist. And I'm like, whoa, that was settled. No conviction was ever made. And we was left at that. He wasn't acquitted. The charges were dropped. Like, and 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 you know what I even found out that I didn't even realize about this? Kobe had made a statement on it saying, like, I learned so much from the situation as far as, like, what I may see as consensual may not always be the perception of the other party, and that was her perception. And I was like, what the... Like, he had the most perfect growth statement out of this of, like, ah, understanding that, like, what I may perceive may not be the same perception. Like, you may have a different perception in, in, in such a sense that it could, like... To me, it's like, oh, we're just hooking up. But to you, it's like, ah, he forced me to do this. Like, I, I feel violated. And and that was kind of the conclusion. But these people, what's the point of this? To drag them through the dirt. Like, there's no good reason for this. And they and some people try and make it sound like we have to remember everyone and all their flaws for what they actually were. And it's like that was one thing back in the early 2000s. But when you look across the entire span, what do you have? Is almost you have mostly good things coming back. And so it's like a 90 to 10 split as far as like big scandals to good things. And, and you know, I'm not sitting here saying that he's perfect by any means, that any of us are perfect. But the point being is like, yeah, everybody has their, their crappy moments, their crappy decisions, their like, their big mistakes. I have plenty of them. And it's just like when someone, when someone dies and someone passes, it's, we obviously don't want to get caught up making that to be an angel, but it's like, you always remember people for, for who they were at their best, because that's what we're all striving to be at the end of the day is like, we all really, I I think if you at least can give most people the benefit of the doubt, they're like, Hey, they're just trying their best. They're trying to do their job, their best. They're trying to live their life the best of the way that they can be the best version of themselves. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself having a lot more compassion and empathy towards people, and giving the and and being a, a lot less critical. Because my thought process was, man, I'm just trying to do my best, and then I, and I, and then that immediately segues into, you know what? If I feel this way, I feel it's reasonable for me to extend that feeling that that's how most other people feel and what they're doing. And when you think about that, and when you start viewing people in that light, it's just like, look, that's. It, it makes it so much harder to be critical of somebody at that point. It, it's so much harder to really be like, well, they're just blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I come back to, if, if you, you may not know this Bible quote, but basically it's, it's, you know, before you take sawdust, take the log out of your own eye before you point out the sawdust in your brother's eye. And that's such a powerful principle. And I may be pulling that somewhat out of context, but I think I'm at least getting the surface level <clears throat> context out of that and message is like look before you are so quick to judge and harp on somebody else like just think about yourself a little bit and that you're flawed and really that's what it's getting at it's like hey before we do all this nonsense remember we're flawed like you're flawed too we all have our mess ups and that's where it's like you had some people coming out that were outraged like he's being praised and he's he's a rapist and it's almost the same thing as the super bowl halftime you know i think you have people making him out to be an angel and it's like hey the 
it's 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 a weird thing to me, but Kobe and Gigi weren't the only ones on that copter. You had other parents and children and coaches, and it was like it was nine lives lost in all, and it's a tragedy all around. Now I do understand on some level it's like nobody really knew those other people, and so it's like we don't want to. I don't think you want to force it too hard to be like I care about these other people. It's like if they hadn't died, you wouldn't care about these other. You didn't care about them before, and you're not gonna care about them after. And it's not a fault. It's, you didn't know them. They weren't in the spotlight. They weren't big deals. But these, you know, Kobe and Gigi, they were. They were well-known, widely known. Everybody knew them and, you know, had a larger impact. And so that's where I've kind of settled on that issue. But um, all the tributes, I think, really have been good. And I think people, the other side of it, then you have people getting caught up in, we're just trying to, you're just trying to capitalize on it. And it's like, can we just let people remember how it needs to be remembered? I know some people get upset about there's too much pop and circumstance or there's not enough. Why aren't we doing this? And it's just like, what are we, what are you, what are you worrying about now? Oh, you're trying to impose your standards on this. Let's just sit back and remember that, that families lost loved ones in this tragedy and the sports world lost one of their beloved children in Kobe Bryant and, who also lost his daughter and now his wife is widowed and his children, uh, his other children don't have, uh, don't have their father anymore. And they're all relatively young. And that's really, really what breaks my heart about this whole situation is you can like put all that aside. Like, honestly, I don't care about any of that. Like let people memorialize how they want to memorialize. Um, all you, I want those people to shut up who are, who, who they just constantly brought up that, that uh, <clears throat> rape case he was involved in, and that's all they care about. And it's just like, are you kidding me? I almost, like, my initial response is like, okay, so if you died tomorrow on a tragic, what bad tweets have you sent? What can I say about, like, seriously, because that's the problem is they think everyone, everyone loves to cast stones until all of a sudden they're the ones who everyone's looking to cast stones at. And they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> right. And that, and that's why it's like, it's it's not a safe game when you start playing that because eventually they can come after you and they're gonna come after you. So it's tough. It's it's really really tough. But ultimately, I think I mean so like All Star Weekend they did a whole bunch of stuff, really big stuff, and you've seen a ton of tributes. It's really good. And I'm just praying for um, the Bryant family, and you know I just in one aspect. They, someone put it very beautifully that, you know, his last moments in those, in those final moments, he, Kobe, Kobe, all, all he was, it was him and his daughter. And I just imagine that, you know, he was clutching Gigi and she was clutching him and it was just a father and daughter, you know, he concerned about each other and just. You know, it, 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 it was just a, a pure moment, right, of father and daughter just ex- just embracing each other. And in a lot of ways, it's like, I wish that wouldn't have happened, but in 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 the instance that it does happen, the, I think, you know, you were able to get that moment out of it. And there's some comfort in that. But we'll uh, we'll take a breath and we'll move into sports because the tone's about to change. <clears throat> so the NBA, oh boy, it's things are getting shaken up 
man, it's wild. So you got Zion Williamson coming out, and the dude's looking about like people thought he would look. Um, my concern is and will remain longevity. And I saw an interesting clap back at people talking about, oh, you're so worried about his longevity and you're just fat shaming here. And it's like, I think some people do harp on it too much. But in all honesty, he's the third heaviest player in the NBA. He's 285. He's only, the only heavier people, people are Taco Fall and Boban Marjanovic, who are both, Taco Fall's 7'6", Boban's like 7'3". They're both monsters. Zion is 6'8". And while technology and things are better... I'm just saying, I'm not sitting here saying he's fat. I'm saying for what basketball is and the way that he plays, it's, I don't see, I don't see him saying injury free for over the course of the next five years or, or it's almost to me thought is in a lot of ways that, um, oh, in five years, you could see some, I I, this can be sustainable for a few years, maybe five, maybe 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 more. But ultimately, once he starts, you know, just beating his body and putting all that torque on his um, on his knees, on his ankles, on his hip, like, and you just have that much man to move, and you're on hardwood, you're making hard cuts, you're playing very explosive. I mean, we see we saw it in LeBron. Like he spent his first I don't know how many years like that, and then he's like, "No, I'm gonna like slim up." And like he's he's learned he's shown us this is how you maintain this level of play, being this this build. And really, I think I think Zion falls in the same category, except he's even bigger than LeBron was. He's bigger built. I still believe this dude got in the wrong sport, but in terms of head injury and contact versus non-contact. You know, I can understand that it's like, hey, basketball's the avenue, go that way. And instead of going the football route, but yeah, I think this dude could have been a monster of a, a tight end, a end, something. Because he's just that big and strong and can move. But you got him, him and John Moran are the two standouts. He's still only, he's only played now like 15 or 20 games. And John Morant, you know, has played the whole season my my pull for rookie of the year is still John Morant. I unfortunately feel like if Zion, I don't know what the game qualification is as far as how many games you have to play, but you know Zion just got all the hype. He's got all the media backing, and you know that I saw side by side comparing his stats, and they were talking about oh shooting percentage is better. It's like well he's probably you know he's he's honestly he plays around the rim I think a lot more than Ja, and uh, you know he's averaging more points. And then Ja, but I think, you know, Ja's a, a point guard. And Zion, Zion's just coming to be Zion, really, is what it comes down to. So, you know, I don't know. My vote my vote is for Ja Morant, and I'm curious to see how this, now that we're, Zion's been playing 15, 20 games, how people start game planning for him. And maybe it's, maybe it lives up to the hype. And you can only game plan so much for him, just the same way you can only game plan so much for Steph or KD or LeBron. It's like, those guys are going to get what they're going to get. But... I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, it's very, very interesting. Um, I think it's exciting to see, but <clears throat> it's exciting to see, you know, he's actually getting to play. He's actually healthy. My big question mark on him, though, is like, look, I I firmly believe he has to lean up, <clears throat> and I hope, I hope that realization comes sooner rather than later because he's already had – you know, he blew out that one, he blew out that knee, and you can blame it on the shoe exploding, but that, 
I think I think I I'm I'm just I think that there's serious risk for um, a bad bad injury that could then hinder his overall career, and I think it only behooves him uh, if he leaned up 15 pounds. Like it would be a big big difference. And not saying he's fat. I'm saying for what he does within the context and how he plays, I don't think it's his size is sustainable. I think his joints, no matter how good his genetics are with him, no matter how much he takes care of him, I just don't. I just don't think they'll they'll hold up. And we'll see. You know that this, I can't. I'm not going to know the answer to this to until years down the road, and we're going to have to see how this all plays out. But. <clears throat> Anyways, I'm still pulling from my boy Jaw. He's been lighting it up all season, and that's a big testament to me. I, ho- I really hope he gets Rookie of the Year, but uh, I'm a little concerned that Zion's going to steal it. Not that he won't deserve it, but I just feel like in the absence of Zion being here all year, Jaws came out and been like, yo, I'm, I'm here and I'm real, and he's exciting. It's a lot of fun, but I wouldn't be – I'm not saying that – Zion's not deserving of it. You know, at the end of the day, I think he he will be if he continues playing like he's been playing. So let's talk overall NBA picture here, all right? So let's see. Going in the Eastern Conference, the Bucks are still doing the Bucks stuff. They're 50 and 8. They have uh, been destroying the Raptors being very synergetic. Nick Nurse is a good coach. Um, Pascal Siakam is Lighting it up. That whole team is just lighting up. They're uh, they're going to be in the mix again this year. The Celtics have caught fire. Jason Tatum has really, um, really, really exploded and become a force to be reckoned with. So they're right up there. They're the number three in the East. Uh, the Heat, I think, are a big surprise to a lot of people. They didn't expect them to be this good. They almost got some pieces from OKC, like a Danilo Gallinari, which would have, I think, I think that would have been. Tr- a tremendous help, but the deal wasn't right for Sam on OKC's end, so it uh, nothing. Uh, or actually, Miami didn't want to. They didn't want to give up what Sam wanted. Yeah, the deal wasn't right, so it fell through. Then, so the Heat are in at number four right now. Then, interesting mix up here: the 76ers, who were poised to be this amazing team. You have Ben Simmons, who, I, well, first of all, they've just been playing underwhelmingly. And performing, and they've been losing. They're five and five over the last ten. They they. Here's a funny thing: they're twenty-seven and two at home, but they're nine and twenty-one on the road. They can't win on the road for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they just can't win on the road. And so it's interesting to see this. But now you have Ben Simmons going down with aggravating back injury, and they've given him no timetable. They said. You know, it's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, but they say just indefinitely. And so back injuries are scary and bad. And then we have Joel Embiid, who, as of recording this last night, went out with shoulder problems, a shoulder injury. And it's like, oh man, is this. So the big, they're a big question mark around the 76ers. Are they going to fall apart? I don't know if they're going to fall out. I don't know if they can with how the East is set up, fall out of the playoff race. But they're sitting at number five right now. The The Pacers are on their heels. So, I mean, they'd really have to fall off to fall to the seven or eight seed. But I think they could definitely fall as low as the six seed, possibly the seven seed if the Nets trend upward. But now Kyrie's out indefinitely. So the Nets, the Nets are kind of a non-starter. The Magic are number eight. This is weird. But the Pacers are still doing the Pacers stuff. I think Victor Oladipo is set to come back 
Is he, is he coming back this season? I don't know. I don't know. Let's just find out real quick. Let's see. Victor Oladipo timetable. But, I mean, there hasn't really been too much. Too much uh, craziness in the East outside of, I mean, that's really the big the big storylines of the Heat are surprisingly good. The Raptors are falling off, or the, the, the 76ers are falling off. The Raptors are still good. You know, there's 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 plenty of. Is Victor Oladipo playing? Am I high? Okay, my computer's being really slow. Hmm. Um. Let's look up the game then. So while I'm doing this, we can kind of fast forward into the Western Conference. All right. So surprise, surprise, Lakers are top of the game. The big question is always, though, is AD staying healthy? The man doesn't stay healthy. I don't – He he's been – you know, he's missed some games. He's He's had some minor injuries. My big question mark around him is just can he sustain and, and be healthy through a, through a long playoff run? I don't know. He's, I think the guy's a little fragile, but uh, when you have LeBron and AD and then the legend that is Alex Caruso exploding, it's hard to, it's hard to deny that, okay, he's not back then. Oh, wait, that's the Hornets. Yeah, Victor Oladipo's not back then. I haven't kept up with this timeline very well at all. Anyways, so the Lakers are top. They're forty-four and twelve. The Nuggets, they're good again this year. No surprise there. They're forty and eighteen, so they're not too many games back. They're five games back right now. But I think the Lakers are the clear favorite there. Then the Clippers, who they've had more struggles than anticipated, and I think that's mainly just because you have the off and on load management between Kawhi and Paul George. And so it's you just haven't seen them together very much. But I think to close out the season, they're going to be playing a lot more and they're both going to be playing all the playoffs and the Clippers are going to become really scary. So they're they're 39 and 19 though. The and then once again the bottom half of the West is a closer race than than the bottom half of the East, but it's a it's a tight knit race. So then you go to the Rockets, who are at 38 and 20, who have we're struggling, but are on a five-game win streak, are 8-2 and two in their last 10, and are blowing up right now. Um, they've won five in a row because they've just eliminated the center, and they've gone fully small ball, and they've been destroying teams. I was watching their game last night against the Grizzlies, and they were up by 30 in the third quarter, 94 to like 60. And it was crazy. I was just like, what in the world? Um, so so that's, that's psychotic. So they, while... There was, you did have, you know, and surprisingly so, now who slid into the fifth spot is the Thunder, 36-22. and 22. The Jazz also have the same record. The Jazz are on a four-game losing streak. They're four and six. Just, I, yesterday I got two updates. Mike Conley gets benched. And then, whoa, wait, no, we're actually benching Joe Ingles. They can't figure out what their problem is. You know what that's a sign of? That's when, like, you have all these symptoms and the doctor can't, it doesn't point to and they can't pinpoint one specific 
problem or disease that it is. And so they have to start poking and prodding. Well, these symptoms look like this. So we're going to, we're going to treat you this way and see what happens. And if this, and so they're kind of, they're kind of doing a little trial and error here with, with this. It was saying that, okay, we got to figure out what's wrong. Um, I don't worry. I didn't skip over the thunder, the thunder four game win streak. They're eight and two in their last 10 they're they're only um, two games back from the Rockets, but with the Rocket, if the Rockets finish out playing this way, then I think, oh my gosh, we're gonna have the the Thunder gonna have the Rockets in the first round. Wow, what an emotionally charged series that's gonna be. But anyways, they, you know, we'll see we'll see how that actually pans out and plays out. But because the Jazz could obviously get hot again, and then the Mavericks are right there, so you have. Basically, your five through your seven seed could all switch around. Um, but I don't mean to skip over the Thunder. The Thunder, who have, I think, been one of the ultimate surprise teams of this season, even more so than the Heat, because everyone's like, ah, they're going to be trash, they're going to fall apart, they lost this. And then synergy happened, and we started the season slow. Yeah, they started the season slow and weren't, weren't getting where they wanted to be, but you had a lot of new pieces but then all of a sudden, the pieces started to fit. And now, our three-headed demon, or aka our three-point guard lineup, is the scariest lineup you can see, arguably, and also the most clutch. Because those three-point guards, you have Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and Shea Gilgis alexander are the three have the highest plus or minus in clutch time in the NBA. They're the top Three, I believe it goes Chris, Dennis, Shea. And that's wild. So clutch time this year, the, the Thunder have shown up and they've they've 36 and 22. And I think if they go 15 and 10 over the last 25, they'll eclipse 50 wins. Yeah, they will. If so they're only 14 wins away from from winning those last, you know, because we're let's see, we're 41. So we're 56 games in, so we have about we have 25 games left. Yeah, 20, yeah, 26, 25, 26 games left exactly. Yep, we're right there. And so, I mean, in theory, the, the Thunder could jump the Rockets and have the home court and be the fourth, fifth seed. But I don't necessarily see that happening. I think those two will kind of stay where they're at because I think the Rockets are going to keep doing well. The Thunder are going to keep doing well. The Jazz, however, a giant question mark. They can't figure it out right now. And they could fall to the seventh. I don't know if they'll fall to the eighth seed. Um, but then we have the Mavericks, led by Luka. Luka. Luka Doncic. And Chris Stapps, Porzingis, with Boban Marjanovic. They are the Eastern European Union. They, they're, I like, I like, I like all those guys. Those guys are cool. Um, Luca to me, is just like this unassuming, like, oh, okay, he looks like, yeah, he, he, he can play some basketball. And then he's just this, he's just this nasty, nasty player who is just really, really good and just turned 21. It's crazy. But the Mavericks are right there. They're only... They're only a half game back from the Jazz and the Thunder. So, I mean, they get hot. They're on a two-game win streak. They're 6-4 and four over the last 10. So, they're really good on the road, too. They're 20-9, and nine, but they can't win at home. They're 16-14. and 14. That's wild. <clears throat> but they could jump the Jazz very easily over the next couple weeks. And then you have a little bit of fall-off. You have about an eight-game fall-off to the eight seed. So, 
I mean, the Jazz technically could fall down to the eight seed, and plenty of people could, but I don't necessarily see that happening. I think so. I think the five through the seven could play around. You could have the Thunder, the Jazz, and the Mavericks. Any one of them could be the five, the six, or the seven. We'll just see how it plays out. And then we have the Grizzlies. Um, and notice who who's not in the playoff race right now. Oh man, what was that team? There's that team. They have the highest salary in the league. And um, let's see, they pulled in a retired superstar. Or he's, a lot of people think he's washed up. I I still don't buy it, but he's doing well. Good for him. Um, oh, they had that one guy that said that like they ended. He ended like the Thunder and broke him up. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's the Portland Trail 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 Runners Trail Blazers. That's right. It's the Trail Blazers. Oh yeah, them. What are they sitting? Oh, they're sitting at the ninth spot at twenty six and thirty three. They're only two and a half games back from the Grizzlies, though. So don't let it fool me. They, um, they're four and six in their last 10 though. They lost their last game. Well, they have kind of started trending more upward to make a run. I think it's hilarious that they don't make the playoffs at all. And the team that they supposedly exploded and broke up or the thunder. And then what you have is you have a lot of thunder memers basically being like, thanks Dame. (laughs) Thanks to you. We did. We now have one of the most exciting teams to watch in basketball. (laughs) Uh, if you're going to claim that. And so it's just, it's, it's funny to me. It's, it's so ironic that, you know, Dame exploded and single-handedly dismantled the Thunder in the playoffs last year and then went to the second round and got bounced. And, you know, but they thought, oh, we're right on the cusp of making a run and this year come out and they're total garbage. Yeah, they did lose Nurkic, their big guy, and apparently that was a bigger loss than we anticipated. I think most people thought this team was just Dame and CJ, but apparently it's a lot more than that. Or there's more to it, but... Yeah, they brought in Mello, and yeah, he's helping, I guess. But, jeez, dude. Jeez, the Grizzlies? Old John Moran over here, mixing things up. I'm with it. Uh, I hope they make the playoffs instead of the Trailblazers. They're on a four-game losing streak, though. And they've gotten thrashed twice now in the last week by, I believe, the Rockets. And it's been real bad. Real, real bad. So they got to figure something out. So we'll see what happens on the home stretch. The Portland could very easily do just enough to squeak into the playoffs and be eight seed and get bounced in the first round by the Lakers because, let's be real, what they have going is not working. It's not one of those like, oh, they struggled early, but they're going to make a run late and make it in the playoffs and surprise everybody. No, I see them as they could make a run into the playoffs, but there's too, the body of work is too stacked against them for this entire season. We are coming into March, and they're still... Like, they really, re- it wasn't like, they, oh, they got off to a bad start. Like, they were in a bad place for real. So, then below that, you have only a half game back from them. You have the Pelicans. So, that eight-seed race is actually a really, really exciting race. Because then, half game back from that, you have the Kings. And then, tied with the Kings are the Spurs. And then, what? Okay, I didn't realize this. And then, only one game back from those guys is the Suns? Hold on, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six teams that could realistically make the eighth seed? Oh, this just got way more exciting. I'm all about this now. I didn't even realize. I haven't, I've been out of the loop, I've been out of touch, I haven't been keeping up with overall as much. I mean, doing the podcast helps me stay in the loop here, but you know, this is really, really exciting. I didn't even realize. So, you have the Grizzlies at, I'm just going to say their wins, 28. The Trailblazers at 26, the Pelicans at 25, Kings and Spurs at 20, and Suns all at 24, and the Suns just have two more losses. 
So, and the Kings are the only team, the Kings and Pelicans are the only teams out of those, out of those six who have, out of their last 10 games, have a positive record. The Pelicans are six and four. The Kings are seven and three going on a run. Everyone else, Grizzlies and Trailblazers are four and six. The Suns are four and six and the Spurs are three and seven. So big question today, who squeaks into the eighth seed? Well, if we're going off how they've done over the last 10 games, the Kings and the Pelicans are probably the, the biggest voter there because they're, okay, so behind the eighth seed, they're three games, three and three and a half games back, respectively. Pelicans are three, Kings are three and a half, which that's very easy to make up. You just need the Grizzlies to lose a couple more. You got to win a couple more and bada bing, bada boom. We got ourselves a tight playoff race. So this is actually going to be really exciting. I'm going to start keeping up with all of this. Really, really, really like this. So we'll see what what happens here then. But hmm, let's go ahead. And let's make let's make a prediction. Who do we think is going to make it? In? So look, I don't think the Suns are a realistic option. They're still the Suns. I think when it comes to crunch town, crunch town, when they come into crunch town, when it comes to crunch time, they're going to lose. The Spurs. This is weird, but may not be in the playoffs. They uh, look. They can't really win on the road. They're 10-20. and 20. They're not doing too hot. But they're right there, though. That's the thing. Pop could work his magic, and that team could will their way into the 8th seed. The Kings, they'd be a total sleeper for me. A total sleeper and a surprise as far as what they're doing. So, but the way they're trending right now, I think it's a very real possibility. The Pelicans absolutely have a shot. Um, you have Zion back, and they were already pretty decently synergetic. And JJ said, you better not. You know, he already threatened the guys, like, don't. You threaten Zion specifically. You say, "Hey, don't don't mess this up for me. I've made the playoffs every season for the last I don't know how many years." So he's over there railing on them, and then you know, Trailblazers. Sure, you know, video game dame. As you can see, I'm not a huge fan in there, but I, I there's a part of me really hopes they miss it. The Grizzlies, I think they could. They're they're in a real bad place though. They gotta they gotta pick it up, start training upward again because these teams, all these teams, could get it. Uh, my prediction. I need to look over their schedules more critically as far as home versus away and what teams they're playing because depending on strength of schedule could play a big part. But as much as I don't want this, I could see the Pelicans or Kings right now squeaking in because I think the Grizzlies are kind of falling apart. I think the Pelicans are finding their stride. And, you know, Zion, of course, only helps them win games. So they could get caught in the trap, though, where they quit, where they give up some of their synergy just to let him be him. And then bada bing, bada boom, next thing you know, now you don't. Now now you when you lose that synergy and you become too superstar-centric, that could hurt you. Because then, I mean, look at the Trailblazers. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's what happened to them, but I don't know. The Kings? Sure. I'm I'm gonna pull I wanna pull for the Grizzlies to hold this eight seed and see them squeak in the playoffs. But realistically, I, I think I see the Pelicans squeaking in. And then my sleeper for this all is of course the Kings. If they just somehow they they stay as hot as they are, they're on they're you know, they've won three in a row. They keep doing that, then I mean everyone else yeah, because everyone else is coming off of losses right now. I mean it's only one game losses, but then you have the Grizzlies on a four game losing streak. So, yeah, it could fall off. And then, of course, you'd always see like some super crazy stuff happen with. <clears throat> you could always see uh, 
you know, the Jazz fall out of the playoffs and the Pelicans Kings both make it and, you know, some crazy nonsense. People go on some win streaks or some losing streaks and and the right situations happen. But, wow, so much more interesting than the Eastern Conference. So much. Well, first of all, I can go, we don't hit a losing, well, the eighth seed hits a losing record. And, you know, and so, yeah, but... I think in the sixth, sixth or the seventh seed in the East, you hit a losing record, and it's just like, eh, it's kind of not worth it. And then, of course, at the bottom, I saw this today. The two, the two worst teams in the NBA right now are the Cleveland, Cavalier, Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, who I believe just, was it two seasons ago, were in the NBA Finals. Freaking hilarious. Oh, so good. Um, total garbage. But Steph's poised to come back, and, you know, he may be able to make some magic happen. I think he's going to do well, but, yeah, they're – Here's the crappy thing to think about. They're going to get another top draft pick. They're going to get a lotto pick this year, and they technically will have Steph and Clay coming back. And so it's like they could be right back in next season. They could be right back at the top of the mix, and I don't see why they won't be necessarily. But real quick, bounce back to the Eastern Conference here. Oh, sorry. No, the Hawks are worse. But the Cavs and the, they're right there. It's 12 and 46 are the Warriors, and 17 and 41 are the Cavs. So they're both trash and garbage. And, okay, I guess, yeah. yeah. All these East teams are just slightly worse, and it's really not a competition. I think they're pretty set. Their top eight are pretty set. You could have the Wizards squeak in there, but I don't think you could have the Hornets or the Bulls. You'll see any of them squeak in there. So, who knows? <clears throat> but... I don't think Victor Oladipo's back. Going to circle back, but that's that, that's kind of my prediction for that as going in is predictions, whatever observations. I don't know what you want to call them, but it's going to be really, really interesting, exciting. I'm shifting to college basketball a little bit. Um, we have two Big Twelve teams that are going to be number one seeds in the tournaments. Turn tournaments. Gosh, I can't talk in the tournaments in the NCAA tournament. Well, first of all, they're number one and two in the nation. They had an awesome game the other night. K, KU and Baylor. Uh, Baylor's this, this synergetic team who's just making it happen and Kansas is being Kansas. So, A, I think the Big 12 tournament is going to be really exciting because um, you have some really good teams. and in, in, in terms of basketball prowess, the Big 12 definitely is in a better position than they are with their football prowess. But, <clears throat> okay. Okay, so Victory Oladipo has been back by and large, but he's hurt his back now. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah, he's been back since... Oh, that's that's awesome. So he, he came back in like January then. Sweet. Good for you, Victor. Good for you. Okay, he's played eight games this year then. So he came back right before All-Star break. I missed that. I'm sorry. Vic, good to have you back. Good to... I, I appreciate Victor Oladipo. Anyways... Back to college basketball. So, March Madness coming up. Uh, I'm trying to get some brackets done. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I always love to start a group and do some brackets with some people and see how it pans out. And, I don't know, we could bet something like a box of Girl Scout cookies or, I don't know, or something embarrassing, something cool. I like to bet fun stuff outside of just money because money is just too easy. I don't know. And it, it kind of puts a 
it taints things sometimes. Like it, like it's like, ah, I have to put up money. So like you have skin in the game. Yes. You're going to care about it. But then on some level, it's like, I get too caught up and I just want to win to get the money. It's like, I almost lose the fun in a lot of ways. Whereas if you bet on something that, yeah, it's like, ah, you want, you're going to compete for. But also it's just, it it keeps it lighthearted. So I don't know. Uh, Let's, who wants to do some NCAA brackets? Let's do some NCAA brackets. I always like filling those out. I'm not super in tune with the basketball, with NCAA basketball this year, but uh, it's it's always fun to do, and uh, <clears throat> we're gonna come up on that. So hopefully, I'll have the time and chance to do some like bracketology episodes. We shall see. And holy cow, we're almost at an hour. Wow, there's so much to talk about. And then we'll we'll close this up then with everybody's favorite topic: politics. First and foremost. As somebody who falls on the conservative side of the spectrum, but still uh, a centrist, I hate the polarity in today's politics, and I'm trying to figure out a way that we can push it back. And I think the best way to do that is try and extend an olive branch and have some meaningful conversation and say, look, and and just make it known that if you are one of these people, like, I don't... I I can't I will still associate and converse with you and can be friends with people of opposing political views. And I think it's important to make that known. And like I legitimately mean that. Like I'll be friends with somebody who supports Bernie, even though I the more and more I I, I look into him and and more and more comes out about him, like this dude's just a straight up communist. I'm sorry. Um he, he tries to kind of mask it to, to play to a base, but he just really is and now <clears throat> But I'm not sitting here saying that you know, people follow them are commies and we got to kick them out of the country and all this crazy stuff. Like, no. And I will say this. I am every day pushed more and more. Not, yeah, sure, maybe I'm more, more predisposed to be willing to do this. But I, I legitimately try to have an open mind about this upcoming election, seeing like, all right, like, what are, you know, what are my options? You know, because there's plenty of things that I do not like about Trump. There are plenty of things, though, that he's done that, that I think should be acknowledged that like are positive. But the problem is he's become that kid. And we all have had this experience where we know somebody or there's always that one kid that's just like, they get on our nerves. And then after they're on our nerves, everything they do is annoying. After I hate the way they breathe. Why are they walking like that? Why is he write with his pencil like that? Why does he do this? You know, why does he drink with the water fountain like that? And, and I think at some point we've all realized we, we've either caught ourselves in that or upon reflection have caught ourselves being like, oh man, was he really like, was he really annoying in how he did that? Or was I, did I, did he already have a bad taste in my mouth? Like I already didn't like this kid. And so then I'm looking at him through a, through a, I don't like you scope. And so I don't like anything you do. And that's, I think that's really what, what I just keep seeing is like, Literally, there are certain people, and by and large, I think a lot of the media literally can't acknowledge that Trump is, when there's one good thing that Trump does. It's so negative, so focused on the bad, and it always comes back to, well, he's a racist, misogynist, and all this, and so everything he does is bad. And it's just like, I just don't believe that in general about people. I'm sorry. Like, there's a simple fact that, I don't know if you saw the Democratic debate um, just a night or two ago, but... Like it, it, it is, it is now come up. Now finally, there's dirt being dug up, and or more like there's being light shown. Light is shining on Bernie. That like, hey, this dude affiliates with like, like communist states and dictators. Like he praises them. 
Like, don't, and this, and he has a history and record of doing this. Like, I think we should be a little more wary of this kind of guy and what he actually believes. And we're seeing that. With, for example, they brought up Cuba and how he supposedly, you know, he praised Fidel Castro. And then instead of saying, like, there's been horrible, like, that, yes, there have been horrible conditions and human rights violations and, you know, imprisonment for dissension is wrong. You see, he didn't even acknowledge that. All he did was, look, the literacy rates and and education on healthcare, whatever needs, has has been a positive growth in that experience. But the problem is, you don't when you just take a microscope and you look at that, and you're like, oh, that's a good thing. Oh, Fidel Castro's good. That's all you know. And the the problem with that tactic is what he's doing is is he's trying to. He's trying to play this to this line where it's okay. I don't. He he truly doesn't want to say anything bad because they were communists and he knows that he's going to go against things he said in the past if he openly comes out and denounces them now. But also, he he believes in that sort of system, a socialist, a communist system. He believes in that that ideology, and so. On some level, we can't go against it. I mean, you can always say, well, this wasn't, this was done wrong. It's not true socialism. We like people a lot to say, but it's beside the point here. Really, it's what's come down is what he's doing is he's saying, look, there's, he's trying to put a positive spin on it, but also just blatantly, he's really good at this. He'll just, he'll divert and blatantly ignore an actual question and giving some type of real answer. And it really pisses me off because a lot of times people will get called out on that. But so much, he doesn't at all. And it's just like, whoa, 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 dude, how about you just answer this question? And that's really, really what bothers me. Is he so, he, he's trying to, to build the base and to get the people behind him and then talk about these great things. But then, the, you know what they say, the devil's always in the details, doesn't like to get into the details, doesn't always like to answer certain direct questions about certain subjects and things. And anyways, I got so off track here. Really what I'm saying is, <clears throat> The, the whole, we hate you just be, just because, you know, everything you do is bad because we hate you almost, or because we think you're bad, so everything you do has to be bad, um, treatment of Trump, really is maybe be like, all right, guys, this is, like, it's gotten ridiculous, like, I, I'm almost, I want to go be friends with this kid now, because, or at least talk to him, because surely he's not all bad, surely he's not all annoying, because I think we've all been that one friend to someone who's felt that way about another person. Like, we've all had a friend who's gotten in mode. We're like, oh, everything they do just pisses me off. And it's like, hey, have you ever thought, like, maybe, objectively speaking, their, you know, their walk or the way they breathe isn't annoying, but maybe that you just aren't a fan of them, and so that's bothering you? And then they'd be like, oh, you know what? You may be right. All, it's, it's, it's kind of instinctual in us when something that level... Um, when something goes that far, I guess, in that aspect, I feel like naturally as humans, we always, we, 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 a little skeptic pops up, just sprouts up in the garden of our mind and just goes, hmm, are we sure like this is like absolutely everything this guy does is bad or like, ab- like this is just absolutely, this is how it is. It's just so clear cut. And we start to question a little bit. And I think it's healthy because then that, a, that brings them to a more human level. It, it kind of it brings us down and humbles us a little bit. But that's what I've seen so much where I'm like, okay, so now it's become like, I kind of want to be a troll, just dro- vote for Trump and see four more years of Trump just because like, it's like, okay, people hate him so hard 
that it's almost like ah no I kind of want to see all all you snowflakes freak out again that he that he gets reelected, and I try not to let that be my driving force. But then what I see is all right, like all right, what what else is what else is there, is there to offer right now? What's in the field? And I start looking at you know the policies that I care about and with with being a conservative mind and and what I want to you know push for and see. And ultimately, I will say this: I need to preface all of this with this: the president has become too big of a deal. Meaning we're too concerned about it. I know when he got elected, people t- jokingly said, you know, oh, if he wins, I'm going to leave the country or the country's going to go under or he's going to have new codes and it's going to be a disaster. It truly hasn't been a disaster. From the media standpoint, it's been a fiasco, but it's not been a disaster. It's not been a catastrophe. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you can have like a president you don't like get voted into office. But really, I mean, it's not going to always have giant effects. You know, like it's not going to be... Like, it's not the end of the world. It's not like a new monarch has taken over and everything's totally going to be ripped up because we have a system with checks and balances in place where, you know, president isn't a king. He's just, he's he's more of a figurehead and he's over the executive branch. And it does have power, but I think you you get what, you hear what I'm trying to get at there. But, so I started looking, looking around, basically like, what are my other options? And right now, my other options are not good. So not good, and just when I look from a policy standpoint, not even talking about how they, how they act and how they and and how the direction that they've all gone in general. From a policy standpoint, I don't agree. And and one thing, one thing that I've become very vocal and outspoken about is like, yes, I've always been pro-life and you know anti-abortion. I believe that abortion is killing of an innocent human life at any stage, and, and but. You know, that, that's grown as I've learned more, as I've thought about, as I've studied it more and studied the statistics and seen how it's used and um, courtesy of live action, which if you haven't checked them out, I mean, they're very vocal, very uh, pro-life advocacy group, the biggest one in the nation. And I think they do a lot of good stuff, though, because the biggest thing that I see that, that has really pushed me is when you look at a pro-abortion side, it, they try and normalize it and dehumanize and obviously and make it seem like, oh, you're going to the dentist, getting an abortion, same thing. <clears throat> it, but, they, they, but I've seen a real shy away from what it actually is, what it actually looks like. Like certain practices, like you can't look at the ultrasound when you go to Planned Parenthood. Like they won't let you look at the ultrasound because it looks like a little human baby. And statistics show us that when mothers see the ultrasound of their baby – the, the chances of them wanting an abortion drop drastically, like 60 to 70%. They want to keep the baby. And you know what that I chalk that up to? I chalk that up to there's a, a fundamental, inherent connection there. That it's like, oh, that's my baby, and you feel a more intimate, real connection with what is inside you. And this is obviously just you know kind of my theory, but I think there's something to it. But anyways, things like that where you're shying away and it's, I don't know, in moments like that, I just have that little skeptic come up like, why can't I like, look, if, if, if we're, if we're going to be straightforward and like, hey, abortion is okay, it's cool, this is just what it is, like you would expect full transparency, but there's certain practices that, that come up that I'm just like, that doesn't feel like full transparency. And then, but then what you see on the other side, particularly from live action is, I mean, they have former abortion doctors come in and explain like, this is how an abortion is done. They've, they've, they've shown like uh, visuals of like this is how it looks like they they talk about um you know they i see a level of transparency where it's like hey let's show it for what it is 
and then let you decide. And that's what I, that's why I think when you can make the, the best informed, most objective decision is when you get full transparency like that and you can see, all right, let me see what exactly, let me see this for what it is in its purest form and then, and then we can talk and then I'll make a decision. As opposed to like, no, no, like here's how we need to look at it. And it's like, oh, when you start trying to put spin on it, then, then I become skeptical. And so even, and this is just from one small aspect. I mean, I'm still, I mean, at my core, I'm, I'm pro-life here. Um, but what I was ultimately trying to get at with this initial statement was that every candidate on the Democratic side is pro-abortion on some level. And for me, that has become a pretty hard line issue. And it's, it's harder to come by a lot of times. But, you know, you, you do have some people that do come across as begrudgingly pro-choice, as Dave Rubin would say. Shout out to him. Is that, you know, he believes on some level, when, whether it comes to, okay, you know, you, maybe you have a rape. Maybe you have a, the mother's life is in danger. Or you, maybe you have a rape of a nine-year-old and, her, and she, her body can't physically sustain and survive to have a baby. Um, you know, then what about then? Well, and, and a lot of these answers, I didn't have good answers to now, but what I always come back to is the core of the issue is, what is abortion? It is actively, intentionally, it is premeditated, like, oh, we are going to end this life in the womb. That is the goal. Versus, and so and so. I, now I'm looking at, you, start, you need to look at motive and intent here. And that's what I've that's what I've started looking at is all right motive and intent versus the other side of things is say for that nine year old girl who is her body can't sustain being pregnant and she may die because that that has happened you know because she was raped by her uncle or something like that and people say well she needs to go get an abortion well I think in a lot of ways abortion is equally traumatic as as um, or you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. I I think I think it is traumatic on a on a rape level, in in a lot in in certain ways, especially when you get into later terms. But uh, nonetheless, I just think it's a traumatic experience. This year's traumatic experience, and so she's already been through a lot. And this is not the direction I wanted to go with this. Anyways, I'm gonna back. I'm gonna backtrack that out because this is this isn't even how I wanted to say this. I, w- I was talking about intent, right? So when you're looking at abortion. When you go to abort something, the intent there is kill, is is or is to you're ending this, you're terminating a pregnancy to use the most PC way, but really what you're doing is a lot of times ripping apart a baby inside the womb. Um, versus the other route, which is when you, what do you say is so you have that little nine year old girl, she can't live. Maybe what you have to do is you have to deliver the baby or extract the baby. And, but not in the sense of like, oh, we're just going to abort the baby is the intent is versus you're intentionally killing versus you try and save the mother and the child. And then the mother gets priority, obviously. So if you can't save the child, but, but what is, there's, there's a huge fundamental difference there in, in that mindset. One is saying, one is working to save both lives all the time, but we'll make concessions as, oh, the mother's life is in danger. We need to deliver this baby. And if the baby doesn't survive, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure it does survive versus the other one is saying, Oh crap! We have a problem. Kill one of them so the other one can live. And 
you know, it's, it's a lot of times what it feels like is that impossible choice. You have two sets of train tracks and one, you have your wife, one, you have your, your, your child and they're tied on the train tracks. You can't save both of them. You can only save one. What do you do? You know? And it, it's like, Oh, I saved this one, but the other one dies. And people will say, well, you know, that's, that's the abortion. No, no, no. The abortion, if, if you were going to do that in the abortive sense, you would shoot one of them in the head and then go save the other one. Or you would reinforce the knots. You know, it's, it's, it's totally different, right? It's the intent behind it is different. And that's what I'm trying to get at here. And that's, and that's what has honestly made me stronger in my, my pro-life mindset is because I honestly couldn't come to terms with these rape cases, particularly with young girls. But then I heard, I heard situations where there's 12, 13 year old girls that have had multiple abortions already and because they're victims of sexual abuse and then they haven't been properly reported. So you have, you have an uncle, you have an, you have whoever, a stepfather coming in with this young girl that they've sexually abused and now gotten pregnant and what are they doing? They're eliminating the evidence because if you can't get an abortion, not saying they might, they, they wouldn't try like a back alley abortion in that situation. But when you come back to it, that, that situation is a nightmare in and of itself. And, and to almost just add fuel to the fire. Like I, you know, it's not, there's no, there's no answer. Where I'm like, ah, all is right as rain. No. That's a hard situation no matter what with no easy decisions and there's always going to be some really bad consequences and it's the tragic, terrible things that happen in this world. But there's, you know, when it comes down to it is what you have is you have there, there and there's cases of this. You can look them up where they, they rape, then, you know, to say a 12 year old, 13 year old girl, they bring her in, get an abortion and they continue the sexual abuse. She gets pregnant again, another abortion. And you have girls that have two, three, four abortions before they're 15. And and sexual abuse going on for years and years instead of being properly reported when she when when they came in for the abortion, when you suspect something, you report it and then it gets investigated and you can get that stopped. However, on the flip side of this too, you have it's not aborted. Then you have a problem of why is this girl pregnant? And then you're going to have people looking into that. And automatically you're going to have like by the force of nature, you're going to have investigation into that. I didn't mean for this to become an entirely uh, expounding on my, you know, I've, I've talked about abortion before, expounding on abortion. But um, by and large, though, that that's one of the first things I noticed is that Every candidate on the other side, and Donald Trump spoke at the March for Life. He is he's preached that he's pro-life, and whether what he has done, how he's handled himself in in past years and a past life, I can't speak to. <clears throat> but I'm looking at the here and the now, and and by all measures, he's he's made taken pro-life steps in his policy. By all measures, he is pro-life, and that's a big selling point for me. And nobody on the other side is. You might have people that are against third trimester, second trimester, like they're only okay with like early abortion. But really, a lot of them are fine with abortion up to birth in certain circumstances. Really, what they play the card is, I'm not the arbiter. I can't make this decision. And it's just like, no, no, no. This is this isn't a question of like you're choosing what to do with your body. There is an, there is another body inside your body, and this is how reproduction happens. And so, and and. And it has an autonomous right to life. And take away all the circumstances, but 
I continue to see more and more too. When you see things like live action being banned from TikTok, being banned from Pinterest and Twitter and, and being flagged and stuff for making these pro-life videos. And I'll, some of them, some of them are literally girls saying, hey, I'm a, I'm an, or I say girls, but that's just the last video I saw was a girl saying, thank you, mom, for not aborting me, even though you were raped. And I don't, the more I see, the more I dig into this, the, the stronger pro-life I've become. And I just, I just go, man, I just see there's, there are so many people alive today and, and grateful that their parent did not abort them, you know, and, and a lot of these people is because they were, you know, they were raped or they were, it was a bad situation. It wasn't idea, you know, they, they got pregnant out of wedlock at 17 and, but now overall they find themselves glad and they find that their child is a, a point of, of of love and a, and a beacon of light, but um, that that so that's a big one. But then, but then, you, so Bernie Sanders to me, the more I the more I look at him, dude's just a straight up socialist or honestly communist, and really they're almost interchangeable. Really though, what he wants to do, and then and then Elizabeth Warren, she just jumped on his train. Now what you see, what she's trying to do, and you know I'm taking this, you know I'm I'm hearing this secondhand, but I. The argument was made to me via the Ben Shapiro show, and I agree with it, is that she's not attacking Bernie at all because she wants the VP spot, and I think that's absolutely true. You have Joe Biden, who is too old for this. Dude's got to get out of the race. He is, he he might legitimately be, I don't like to jump to conclusions here, but he might legitimately be having mental problems. Like someone, you know, people always say, well, he might, we see dementia in him, and it's like, maybe... I think at the end of the day, he's just a little geriatric. Like he's just old. His teeth almost fall out. He can't string together the most coherent sentences. Have like he's just saying stuff. He's trying to be there, but I just don't think he has what it takes. Pete Buttigieg, I do not like at all. This guy tries to come across as reasonable and is pandering, and he tries to pull in biblical scripture text at, totally out of context. And I don't know. He's I, I think he's going to fall apart. Klobuchar, she's actually kind of reasonable. But once again, she, you know, then what it comes down to is when you find someone reasonable. I mean, even Tulsi Gabbard at one point, to me, she was very reasonable. And I could almost see myself voting for her. But when it comes down to hardline issue on where are you on abortion? And, oh, Trump is pro-life and protecting babies in the womb. And then all of a sudden, but you, you still allow it a little bit. It's like I could almost make a concession, but it's at that point, it's not worth it. No. That's a big issue to me. And um, let's see. Who am I feeling? Oh, yeah. Bloomberg just trying to buy the presidency. And so I absolutely don't think so. And also now that I'm learning a lot more about his how he was a mayor in New York City and like trying to ban trans fats and do these crazy stuff. I'm just like, what the? Who the? What is this? Um, but I also on a principal level, I don't think he should win by being able to buy the presidency because that's that's a nightmare for the future long term of. Uh, trying to get, uh, you know, of, of presidential elections. If it's like, oh, you can buy this and rig the system. It's real, real problems there. So, um, and then seeing all these debates and seeing what they talk about and all these different candidates and everything. I just, more and more I watch it, the more and more I'm like, I'm sorry, you're giving me no good reason to not vote for Trump. You're actually making me more inclined to vote for this man. And I'm actually considering like, I don't know, getting a Trump thing in my Trump sign in my yard. Not so much for the sake of getting people riled up, but I wanna. I, I'm trying to work to destigmatize 
this because we have such a problem where people are like found out my friend was a Trump supporter and now we're no longer friends. And it's like, stop it. No, 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 no. It's not that serious. I want to be able to be like, hey, I'm a reasonable, normal person and this is who I'm going to vote and here's my reasonable, normal reasons. And but I want to and I want to display that to almost let people know, A, be like, oh, that's how he feels. But then hopefully also appeal and persu- appeal to him, persuade him to be like, look, it's it's okay that this is this way. We can still go out to lunch. We can still hang out and be friendly. Not everything is politics. And so also on that hand, I'm also like, ah, maybe I don't, maybe I don't wear anything at all because it, it might have the negative effect of that and people might start disowning me. But at that point, it's like, on one hand, I don't want, I don't want to deal with people who are, who feel that way. You're like, you support Trump. We can't be friends. It's like, all right. Yeah. I definitely don't want to be friends with you because that's flaky and that's frugal or not frugal. That's uh, frivolous. <clears throat> on the other hand, I'm almost like, I want to like try and bring you back into light. Like it's no, you, you can be friends with somebody who's a Trump supporter because Trump supporters aren't, aren't just racist and redneck idiots. It's like, I try and be as well-informed and as objective as possible. And I hope I make that clear on this podcast. And I also don't run from my biases and, and you know, I, I, I try and always look at the other side and watch it. Like I'm keeping up with the democratic stuff and, you know, I'm trying to make very informed decisions. I try and watch the Young Turks and, and you know, read the Huffington Post or read, read you know, things that don't, don't necessarily follow my ideological line of thinking. But anyways, I mean, that's kind of where I stand. So, gosh, I got to wrap this up because, I mean, I got to get ready for work. I got I to gotta do a bunch of stuff. We're an hour 20 deep. So, man, what a podcast. What a welcome back podcast. Very, very exciting. There's so much going on right now. It's going to be real fun. Going to see how it unfolds. Um, I, I really... Yeah, really at the end of the day, I want to try and depolarize the politics best we can, but we'll see. We'll see how if if we're able to make that happen or not, but uh if you're if you're find yourself more in the central camp and you want to do the same, then please by all means, let's um let's let's work together to I I need our centrists to speak up and say, "Guys, guys, why are we being so crazy?" Because I think that's the problem is the centrists are like, this is crazy. I'm going to go like, I'm going to go have a beer and do, do something, literally anything else. And, and that's where they find themselves. So I'm trying to figure out how we can start walking this back and working towards, um, towards civility and, and just being friendly again and extending an olive branch. So let me know any and all of your thoughts on this. Um, rambling Viking at gmail.com, therandlingviking at gmail.com. Feel free to email me. I know this is a lot of content, so if you don't want to email and type all that, you can always go to anchor.fm slash podcast and you can you can actually leave a, a voice-recorded message. And so that's um, that's that's pretty cool. You could you can uh, you could do that and if you wanna if you say if you have something you want to talk about it's several minutes long and I'll, I'll try and remember to check those. Also, Twitter at Rambling Viking. Check me out. So, appreciate you guys listening. If you made it all this way, congratulations to you. And I'm excited to be back and uh, start cranking out some more podcasts as a lot of stuff keeps happening. Anyways, stay froggy, stay fresh. And just remember to ELE. Everybody love everybody. Peace. <laughs>